All right, guys. Well, welcome back to the Monday Minute. Uh, again, if you're new to these episodes, these are when we take your listener questions. These are meant to be kind of shorter, more informal episodes, not in-depth interviews. Uh, joined today with Steve, as usual. How's it going, man? Good. Yeah. A little bit uh, sore in the quads today. Backed out a buck yesterday. Uh, decided to go on a deer hunt for the day and killed a monster two-point. Um, <laughs> monsters very uh, <laughs> exaggerated, <laughs> but hey, it goes um, back to I, my Kodiak tagline from the first trip was small racks and heavy packs. That's what it's all about. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it was, uh, uh, I was just on a mission to go kill something, especially after, uh, I've been on, I was like between the last few days of both season and then the three days that I was able to join you on the elk hunt, I think I went like, yeah, I was like six something days without killing an animal, which is, uh, I haven't been on a streak like that. And a long, long time, probably a decade. Uh, so, uh, a lot of listeners probably cannot relate to that whining right there. Uh, well, yeah, I, uh, <laughs> so I was on a mission to like, I had, I had two deer tags as able to pick up a non-resident. So I was like, man, whatever the heck I see, I'm shooting and stumbled on a bucket, like 120 yards, really steep down this, he's in this little draw and shot him and, um, very happy with, um, I killed a, like I actually had killed a coyote right before this. And then uh, shot the buck and that Badlands bullet with my, my Creedmoor, man, both of them, both results were like instantaneous dead animal. Um, yeah, I was very, very happy with performance on that, on that bullet. But um, that's the yeah, Badlands. What are they called? Bulldozer? Is that right? Yeah. Bulldozer two and it's 125 grains. Yeah. Yeah. Um, out of your creed. Very, very happy with it. And then, uh, yeah, so I just killed, killed the buck, cut them all up. Um tiny body on that sucker as <laughs> the back straps are you, you can just tell you know when you're cutting meat how it's like really fine grain like yeah this is going to eat pretty well yeah. um so uh cut them up de- then hung all the quarters in a tree deboned them real quick and one tripped them out of there I, I think it was like 90 pounds was my pack and uh i had an elk tag i was in the same unit like an elk cut and dang near killed a spike uh just needed to I basically had the, if I didn't have a 90 pound pack on my back, I'd have been able to maneuver and get a shot off. But I was, it was like, uh, I was in a foot of snow on a side hill on the brush and it was just a mess. But, um, yeah, it was almost have been a really cool day to kill a coyote, a deer and an elk, but, uh, I guess I'd still be up there packing meat right now. Yeah. How was there a foot of snow up in that country when I feel like I was just there and it was 75 <laughs> degrees, Steve. Dude, the weather, <laughs> the weather is definitely different. It was, I I, still, I left the truck as 20 degrees, you know, and it was actually like, I haven't been in cold like that in a while. It was like hard to breathe climbing up that hill. Like your lungs were just kind of like frozen, you know, um, just a really crisp, cold morning, but it was, it was awesome to be out there. So yeah, looking forward to uh, getting back, getting back out. Got a few more days to go kill an elk. Yeah. We're actually pre-recording this cause you may be out hunting on Monday. Correct. Yeah. The, um, you commented that the knife was, crazy sharp i sharpened that on the way actually up for our elk hunt and used uh a work sharp sharpener that we've been a fan of and sneak peek like one thing that we're working on you and i is our gear of the year picks which is something that we do every year and we'll have that list out in a couple of weeks but uh good to hear my skills are still on par <laughs> yeah it was uh it was a very sharp knife like, like you said almost um i think you were you were st- once you sharpened it, you were like, why we're driving down the road? You're like, I don't want to check this by shaving my hair or something. I'm like, cut myself. No, not while we were driving. Yeah. 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 Um, the same thing, you know, when I'm hunting solo, I, I, 
intentionally just like, you know, you realize that any accident that can happen is there's much higher consequences, right? Than if you got a buddy there with you to help you out. And um, that knife was, it reminded me of um, why I stopped using Havilons because I would freaking cut myself every time cutting up an animal, you know, just one little touch of the blade to your finger or whatever, and all of a sudden you're bleeding. Um, but I was, so I was as sharp as that knife was, I was very just more diligent and, you know, just slow cutting up that buck. Oh, cool. Well, yeah, we'll talk more like that. You mentioned that workshop, something that you're interested in throwing on your gear, your list, and we'll talk more about which model it is. But I will say, sneak peek, it is, I think, the best system I've found that to take skill out of it. So I joked because, you know, you've joked in podcasts past about my knife sharpening skills, but I will say this workshop setup is very, very easy to use and it guides you. So even if you don't have a ton of knife sharpening skills, it, it'll be something to check out, but we'll talk more about that in our gear of the year podcast coming. Um, let's dive into, so you mentioned foot of snow, um, and I know this was just a day hunt, kind of unique hunt, but obviously as we're getting into November here later this week, guys going into late season hunts over the next few weeks, we had some questions about boots and the late season and just kind of keeping warm. So um, let's go ahead and dive into this. This is a speak pipe question that came through. So we'll play it. I know how much Steve loves to talk about boots. I'm curious whether your approach to footwear changes for late season hunts where you're likely to encounter colder temps and snow. Do you run the same footwear and just add gaiters or do you consider an insulated option, especially if you're doing a fair amount of glassing? All right, Steve, so that's one question. There's actually one more I'll go ahead and play that are both related and good talking points. Hey, dudes, it's Peter in Fort Collins, Colorado. I've got a would you rather for you. Uh, you're on a winter elk hunt. Would you rather have uh, a boot with 800 grams of insulation or an uninsulated boot that you, uh, you, you do the warmth factor with socks? All right. Thanks, guys. All right, Steve, so let's start with a would you rather because would you rather is like a more of a yes, no, and then we'll dive into the topic. Would you rather have 800 gram boots or no? No. Okay. Easy. Have you ever <laughs> worn insulated boots and felt like they were substantially warmer for you? No. So I think my experience with insulated boots has been largely influenced by my uh, whitetail hunting past. Uh, past, I say past, like, a, I mean, not, I don't mean past me. I don't do this anymore, but my origins, it's almost, I feel like impossible in a way when you're stationary for insulated boots to provide enough insulation. Um, and I could go off on a rabbit trail with this, but like, for example, from a tree stand, one thing that I found is doing something like, um, having like a little foam mat or even a little bit of carpet on your tree stand so it's not open dead air actually makes a big difference and what i'm getting at is like under certain conditions insulation isn't going to do much for you in my experience and then even on a short hike again i'm keeping this in the whitetail woods like that same insulation is going to cause you to overheat so stinking fast when you're moving that you may not even feel it or realize it like again hiking into the stand in the morning in the dark 
heavier insulated boots, your, your feet are probably going to be sweating without you realizing it. Again, this isn't a short whitetail hike. And then now you have damp socks. And then as soon as you are stationary, you're going to be much colder. So I have, I would say I found it hard for insulation to perform well. And then I found it extremely hard to have insulation and have that regulate my temperature with basically any level of movement. Um, that's been my case. Yeah. I, same story for me. I think that like when I, one of the things that started, um, well, when I, when I first started bow hunting around 18, I remember like, I just had cold feet, cold feet. I, had, I want to say I had some Danner pronghorns that had like 400 grams of insulation. Um, and then I got cold feet and I need more insulation. So then I went up to like an 800 pair. And then I don't know if I went to like 1200, I don't know what the next gap was. I feel like I went through three different pairs of boots trying to get, and it's like my feet kept getting colder. <laughs> I couldn't figure out why, like what's wrong with me. And then I remember very specifically hunted on a cold, wet day, boots were soaking wet so much so that all I had was some probably like Nike mesh tennis shoes. And I threw some thick wool socks on and went out hunting the next day and my feet were warm the entire time. And I was like, what the hell, <laughs> uh, what happened here? And, uh, you know, over time, I realized just the, the more insulation, the more my feet sweat and the wetter they got. So then when you stop, they were, you know, freezing. Uh, I think, um, yeah, I, I basically just, uh, a perfect pair of boots for me is one that is uninsulated and has a little bit of play in there to where I can wear a thicker sock. And that seems to be a really good combination. I know that you don't, obviously for a good, you want a boot to fit kind of snug for me to have, you want some kind of play and you want some dead air space inside the boot, right. Um, for, to keep your feet warm. So you need to be aware of that. Like don't put so many, like double up your socks to where your feet are crammed there inside that toe box. And then your toes are just going to be cold the whole time. Cause there's no, you know, you need dead air space. That's why, that's why down insulation works so well, right. Just creates dead air space between you and the and the outside temperatures. So yeah, uninsulated and then pack extra socks, you know, swap them out, keep them, keep them dry is your, your best bet. I guess if you're going to, you could pack insulated boots, uh, and just know that you're going to hike up the hill, stop, swap out your socks, put your boots back on. Um, that just seems to be a lot of effort though. So, yeah, you, I remember, one of our rifle elk hunts, it was a cold morning and we hiked up this hill and then we sit down to glass and we knew we were going to be there for a little bit, at least based on what we saw. And I remember sitting down, I think it was like low twenties that morning, maybe. And we sit down start glassing and you start pulling your boots off. And I was like, what the heck is he doing? <laughs> <laughs> but just you getting airflow. And I think you shoved then your feet in, like you had an extra jacket or your pack or something. Oh, I pulled out my quilt. Yeah. I left Your my quilt, quilt in my yeah. bivy sack. And then, um, I've done, that's a, if you're going to sit there and glass, I mean, you talk about like wearing puffy pants, dude, like the, that combination of having my quilt and then just leave it in my lightweight bivy sack and just slip that like up to your waist. Oh, you can sit there forever. It's fantastic. Um, yeah. and yeah, getting the, I think that was a, one of those cases where my feet were really cold that morning. Cause I was wearing a thicker sock inside the boot and they just weren't, you know, it was just sucking the heat out. Yeah. Uh, out of the boot into the cold. And, um, so I second we stopped, I was like, man, I got to take my boots off. Cause they're, they're making it worse 
took them off, um, let them breathe for a little bit and then put them in the, uh, in my quilt and I was good to go. Yeah. I have in the past used, um, some down booties and I've done two things. One is have them for around camp, like a base camp. Um, and then I have put them in my pack, both for day hunts as well as backpack hunts. But one thing with those, I was never super happy with, like I had these ones from sea to summit and they had a little bit of protection on the foot. So you could walk around in them a little bit, um, but they weren't too tough, but then it's like a give and a take. Cause if you want something like a down booty, you almost want the best of both worlds, something super light and packable, no structure, no protection if you're stationary. But then when you are maybe using them at camp or want to walk around, you do want protection and to have somewhat of a soul. And actually XPED um, has exactly that, something that I've got. Actually, I got these last winter, but they make a down sock is what they call it. And it's a booty, uh, but no protection. So just a lightweight shell, like your sleeping bag down, you can slip it over um, your socks. Again, no protection, no sole. And then there's basically a second part. They call it the bivy booty. That would then, if you're like at base camp or something, it's uh, it's another shell with a bit structure and like fully protected that then could go over the down sock. So you get the best of both worlds. The down sock, if you want to keep it in your pack while you're out hunting, I think is not quite four ounces um, and would be great for kind of stationary and glassing. But then if you're back at base camp or walking around, you can have the down sock on and then slip on the baby booty, which is going to now protect the down sock. Um, it's just a pretty cool system, unique, like something I would only take in, in very cold conditions. But um, if guys are here in super cold feet and have never considered something like that, there are some options to get specific insulation for your feet beyond just getting insulated boots themselves Every, when you're hunting in cold everything's about managing moisture and your your feet are um like my feet sweat a lot and uh you just got to be aware of that you know when you're climbing it was even though it was 20 degrees i had a 2000 foot climb in front of me i got into my thinnest base layer and because i knew that the second i started climbing you know i was gonna be just hot and overheating and then when I got to the top, I uh, immediately threw my other layers on top of that to kind of dry out the base layer. And I was nice and warm. I think a lot of guys make the mistake of, of uh, just not thinking about that. They don't, they're so unwilling to be just slightly comfortable for a little bit that uh, you end up hiking with all your layers on and then you get soaking wet and then you get to the top and you're really SOL at that point. Like you've got to be, uh, you just have to think, um, think through things and, and understand that managing moisture is your biggest enemy in the cold. A related-ish question, because it's about cold weather, staying warm. A guy wrote in and said, I was wondering if you thought I could get by with my catabatic 22-degree quilt for a mid-November Montana elk hunt. Um, he says, I have a zero-degree sleeping bag, but would like to use the quilt if possible. He said, our shelter will be a seek-outside Cimarron with a wood stove. Um, he also went on to say, I've been out in Colorado for archery season and was plenty warm with the quilt, but I have not done any hunting out West in the later seasons. The Catabatic, uh, 22 should be just fine for mid November, uh, Montana elk hunt. It can get very cold in Montana, uh, in November. I've personally used my 22 degree Catabatic, uh, down into the single digits, uh, was obviously wearing some clothing with that. So that's what I would just recommend, like, especially this guy having a wood stove, um, shelter, it's that obviously is going to change the game as well. But 
yeah, I would have zero concerns um, taking that catabatic quilt on a elite season hunt. Just keep in mind that, and this is especially true of quilts, but it's also true of sleeping bags that your choice in sleeping pad is going to make a big difference. Um, and if you're warm or cold, so a quilt or a sleeping bag is doing some of the work, but if you have a pad that doesn't provide any insulation, uh, to keep, you know, some warmth between you and the ground, then you can struggle. Even if you had a zero degree bag and a really bad pad, for example, but yeah, any, I don't know. I don't think you'd have any hesitations around that setup. Would you Steve? No, I mean, you've, you said single digits. I know you had the, your catabatic on the death hike um, when we went to the Frank church in April of 2021 and yeah. it was, you were, it was zero that night and you, yeah, I it was remember talking single to you digits. And, yeah. Uh, you said you were good to go. So um, yeah, pad is number one. I have a R value of, I'd say minimum four, five, six is even better. Mm-hmm. And then don't be afraid to also certainly just if you're taking puffy pants down jacket like sleep in that stuff and that's going to add a lot of warmth to your quilt so don't don't just assume you need to you know sleep in your long johns and a t-shirt just sleep in all the clothes you got and i'll certainly do that to to stretch a sleeping bag or quilt to lower temperatures and be just fine yeah speaking of that was wasn't planned but like quilt and down jacket you were saying on our recent elk hunt even though it's mild what were you doing with that setup Oh, um, <laughs> that was just me being lazy. <laughs> I didn't have, uh, I think I went, oh, it was the last week of elk season when Cody came out, I had grabbed a different sleeping pad and I, on my enlightened equipment quilt, I had put, uh, I used the stuff called aqua seal, which is like a rubber sealant that I use for years to like seal waders and things like that. And, uh, um, I had actually cut off the attachment or the attachment straps that come from enlightened equipment to have these little male, female kind of buckles. And I just aqua sealed them onto the pad itself. And, uh, and that way I didn't have to deal with the straps and they were just there in place all the time. And it works fantastic, but randomly I was using a different sleeping pad and, uh, just didn't have those attachments. So I just ended up sleeping with the down jacket and had the quilt kind of pretty loose on the, at the top or I didn't snap anything together. And I, I really liked that um combination it was just super easy to be if you got hot you know you just flipped open the quilt you got cold you flipped it back over you and it was a good way to kind of regulate temperature throughout the night yeah which sounds initially may sound counterintuitive to say oh it's not going to be that cold let me sleep in my down jacket but what you're saying is you're pretty much only using the down jacket for your upper body to stay warm and then the quilt is much more versatile of flipping it down flipping it up as needed yeah exactly yeah it was kind of a it, wor- it worked really well. The happy yeah, accident. Yeah, the, the temps were, I guess they were close to freezing every night, 34. Uh, so it wasn't too bad. One random thing on his, the guy said he's taking a Cimarron with a wood stove. You still, uh, unless you or your buddy are willing to wake up every 30 minutes all night long, <laughs> you, you still need a quilt or a sleeping bag that's ready for the temps it's going to be like that. And my experience with those, uh, you know, you're not going to be waking up nonstop all night to fe- refeed that thing. So you need something that's going to be rated for the temps you're going to be in. They're nice to, to warm up, dry out, eat your dinner and pass that. They're pretty worthless in my opinion. Yeah. For consistent warmth and a long night for, yeah. For a long night for consistent warmth, you need to find, um, I'm not aware of anything out there. If it exists, it'd be really sweet, but like 
the, you know, the version of like an eight hour log that you put in your fireplace at home, that you can just throw in there and burn forever. Mm-hmm. Let's wrap up with this one. Uh, this guy wrote in after hearing us uh, on the podcast last week with Night Force, and he had to say, I had to laugh as I listened to the recent episode with Night Force. I've been looking at the NXS two and a half to 10 that you and Steve talked about. Uh, he said, I usually run a Leopold two to 10 or three to 15, but I wanted something more robust for my 375 H and H. That's a thumper of a rifle. And then he went on to say, is there any chance they gave you guys a promo code that gives listeners a discount and gives you guys credit for people buying through the podcast? And he wrapped up to say, I love the podcast. It makes my 45 minute, 45 minute commute go fast. Keep them coming. And thanks for the quality show. So two things. One is no, they didn't give us a discount. And two, I just wanted to touch on because we've actually gotten this question quite a bit. Um, and I appreciate it because it's people listening to the podcast who basically want to support the podcast, but it's really common uh, in the hunting space and, and podcasts in general for podcasts to have like codes, right. To share of like, Hey, go, you know, we had night force on the podcast, go use code hunt back country and save 10% or whatever. 99% of the time, that's a deal between the, the show and the company that not only gives the listener a discount, but gives a kickback to the show. Um, so it's like an affiliate thing of like, hey, if you recommend our product, we'll give you 10% every time someone uses your code or whatever. Um, and again, this has come up and we've never talked about it, but we don't have that um, with anyone on purpose. And we obviously don't have ads. Um, so I just want to say one, thanks for wanting to support the show, but two, just we we don't we you won't see that from us because we just want to remain completely independent when we talk about gear when we have people on it's always out of a, a genuine like interest on our behalf and we just don't have any sort of like kickback to basically we don't make any money on the show steve <laughs> we could uh, like with our audience yeah. size we could but yeah we don't no i like i mean i've i wasn't the oh you as well in the world of pro staffs and you know you get stuff for free you need to promote it and uh i just i just hate it um <laughs> like, uh, i'd much rather just use whatever the heck i want to use and you know I, and then i think listeners obviously they they get to know us and know that if we recommend something it's generally because it it works very well for our use and we're not being paid for it or anything like that we remain completely nonpartisan and just say whatever the heck we want and use what we want. And, um, I don't, I'm such a gear guy. I, I hated being tied to a company or whatever, a brand and, and only available to use what, what they came out with. Right. Like see a new sweater from a company that I want to wear. I'm going to freaking buy it and wear it and test it out. New optics, new, whatever. Let's well, wrap on this one, guys. If you have any questions for future Monday Minute episodes, uh, send us an email to podcast at xmountaingear.com or look for the link in the show description that says leave a message and you can leave us an audio message. Um, if you haven't yet, hit that subscribe or follow button in your podcast app so that you receive those future episodes automatically. If you're enjoying the show, it would help us a ton if you just shared it with a friend or if you use iTunes, leave a review. If you if you use Spotify, you can leave a rating. That stuff does help. So appreciate your time and effort on that. And we'll talk to you guys soon.